Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. Well, Vaughn, great to have you with us. Thank you. Very exciting. And uh, Round Hill Community Church is one of these 24 churches that are exploring this whole notion of developing, rediscovering a sense of calling. And Vaughn, can you give us a little bit of a sense of how this particular project came into being and what's at stake through it? Hmm. Yes. um, This initiative was uh, put into place by the Lilly Endowment, the Lilly Foundation, who has been for years working on uh, vocation for high school and college-age youth, helping them to understand what it means to choose a direction for life. Mm -hmm. But they became increasingly aware uh, that that notion of calling is something more than just choosing a vocation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our Christian claim is that calling is is something that... encapsulate God's presence for us in all of our life. Mm-hmm. And so their their thought was if congregations could create a culture or a, an environment where calling, uh, calls and calling and vocation were um, embedded in the culture, were a part of the language, the atmosphere that the culture breathed, that the end result would actually be people who lived lives of deeper meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the initiative was designed to encourage that and uh, Vibrant Faiths as an organization, uh, you know, saw that as an opportunity just to continue the work that they have always been doing in terms of um, encouraging uh, lifelong faith formation. Right. But to see that as uh, a catalyst for individual congregation members discovering deeper meaning and purpose in living as a result of thinking in terms of call and calling. Right. So I'm getting the sense here that what the Lilly Foundation picked up on and the organization Vibrant Faith has zeroed in on is the sense that maybe we've lost this culture to some extent in our mm. churches and now need to recover it. Is mm. that fair to say? I think it's very fair to say we're um, we're very oriented toward toward task and toward uh, getting right. things done, and, and most churches are very very good at getting the work done of the church, but developing a deeper relationship with uh, other people in the church and with God mm-hmm. is something that uh, sometimes uh, gets lost in the busyness of being church. And, and this is partly re- reclaiming the sense that, that we, we have a connection with God which calls forth from us a response that mirrors God's intentions for the world, what God is hoping for in the world. And if we participate in that, that we will find something that, that elevates our own life and our own experience of living uh, in some profound ways. Right. So a calling, as, as I'm struggling to understand this, could be something that lasts uh, a few minutes. Uh, it could be something that lasts years. Would that be fair to say? I mean, you might be called to a particular action in the course of a day that might have ramifications for a long time, but again, it's something that's relatively short-lived, and then you might have a calling that does become a career or a kind of work. Uh, what do you think about that? Yes. Um, our our approach to this uh, vibrant faith, we, we came up with a list of some basic beliefs of what we thought about this whole uh, uh, concern, this area of uh, conversation. And some of the things we talked about was the callings are are over a lifetime, uh-huh. but they change. 
that right. you don't have one call that you get when you're 12 years old and you stick. Now, some people do that, uh-huh. and God bless them. <laughs> but that's not the case for most people, that the, their perception of where they need to be and do in response to uh, God's presence in their life will change over time. And so there are multiple callings at, with chil- as children, as youth, as adults, even into older adulthood. We discover a, a new sense, a change in direction, a deeper sense of what God is wanting us to do. Mm-hmm. And that represents a different calling that is an opportunity for us to to respond to and to live into. Right. So being supple would be a, would be a positive thing here, right? Being open to the direction of this spirit, uh, wherever it, it might lead. Indeed. indeed. Okay. Being supple and being being willing to uh, see new possibilities uh, in, in one's life that maybe you didn't consider before because you thought you were locked into a particular thing. Right. Uh, and that's just, I think that's especially true for adults as they go into middle adulthood and even older adulthood. Uh, they think, well, I've this is what I do. Yes. But... Um, a notion of calling across a lifetime opens up the possibility that you may discover something that you never anticipated, mm. uh, even later in life, it uh, uh, invigorates your life and gives it new meaning and purpose. So there's a lot at stake here. Uh, I think and, so. Right. And it's the sense that this deeper, richer purpose of life, it, it can, it's continuously unfolding, you're discovering it, and without it, there may be a sense of drift. Is, is that also fair to say? I, perhaps for some people, that's certainly the case. Okay. Uh, when when you don't have a clear sense of meaning and purpose, you tend to bounce from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, having a clear direction is always a good thing. Yep. But being open to the that direction changing yes. if, if that is where you're being called to go. Right. And that's uh, – so that suppleness or the flexibility is, mm. is partly – uh, living into where you are, but also being open to being nudged to go in a different direction if God leads you there. Right. Well, I'm just thinking about the way that, you know, we have these four portraits of Jesus in the New Testament, these mm. four Gospels. Mm. And by and large, as I read them, I don't see a person following a clearly mapped out direction, right? No. But Jesus is constantly being uh, pulled or pushed in one direction or another. He responds to human need, mm-hmm. uh, then he goes off and prays, and then something else happens, and he adjusts and adapts. So mm-hmm. does that become a model for what it means to live a vibrant life of faith? I, I think so. Um, my sense of following Jesus is not adopting a programmatic approach to life. Yeah, steps one through seven. Exactly. And and that's easy to do. <laughs> and, if and, only it were so. If only it were so simple. But the um I think the reality is is when when Jesus calls us to follow him, it's about taking on a way of life, mm-hmm. not a, a direction, particularly because the disciples discovered their directions got shuffled around many times. Right. Uh, in, as Jesus was there, and even after uh, after that, when the early church was being formed, uh, and even now we find ourselves being pushed and pulled in different directions. And I think we just finished at Pentecost uh, yesterday uh, that the Holy Spirit continues to work in us to create new possibilities. Yes, but that. That following Jesus is more about a way of living in response to God's presence in our life, uh-huh. not to find the plan that God has for you. And maybe that's true for a particular moment in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But God wants us to be, I think, be faithful, to be engaged, to be um, learning, to always being open to uh, discovering what 
what is new and what is possible for us, helping to build God's kingdom here and now. Right. So uh, speaking of faithful, uh, the organization Vibrant Faith mm-hmm. is part of what makes all of this possible for at least the 24 churches. And I think you, you know, we understand that the knowledge that's gained through the work of these 24 churches mm-hmm. over the three-year grant period will then yield, hopefully, some great directions and res- results mm-hmm. for churches nationwide. Um, so Vibrant Faith, that's an interesting uh, mm-hmm. name for an organization. Why call it Vibrant Faith? Because there's such a thing as dead faith. <laughs> <laughs> and I take it we don't really want to nurture dead faith. Well, <laughs> and the New Testament realized that that was not a good thing. I mean, the book of James is partly about uh, the, the, the challenge of living a life that is not just about a static way of living, but a, a vibrant um, engagement with life and with God's presence in our lives that creates something more than just a um, uh, a dead and deadly uh, intellectual assent to things uh-huh. or um, a fixed way of, of thinking this is the way it has to be. Yeah, yeah. So vibrant faith for me says something about the 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 nature of the faith that it that it's 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 alive. It's it's on it. It's, it changes, it evolves, mm-hmm. it, is, uh, it continues to go deeper into discipleship and, and, and to learning and to growing across one's lifetime because it never ends uh, mm. from the time we're born until the time we're, we, uh, we leave this earth. It's, um, it's a faith that continues to grow and evolve in our response to God. I was at a uh, youth conference oh, many years ago, and the youth leader for that day stood up in front of this huge crowd, must have been 200 high school students, and uh, he used a phrase which I then noticed he used as a benediction every time he gathered with Mm. those youth, and that was, you are loved by God Mm. and you are needed by God. Mm. And I think it's that needed part which makes it relational. Mm -hmm. So we not it's not only a one-way street where God is calling us, but maybe Mm -hmm. there's some sense in which we're calling God. And we do have some of these wonderful stories throughout the Bible of the the two-way conversation. Mm -hmm. Is that part of what makes it vibrant? I I think so. Uh, And uh, a faith that is is not relational is not very helpful. Mm. It it may be satisfying to the individual, but it it doesn't help build up the body of Christ in the world. Oh, that's an interesting comment. Because I I do think that there is a strong tradition, uh, particularly within American Protestant Christianity, of getting those boxes right, mm-hmm. ticking off the mm-hmm. boxes, and then mm-hmm. once we've got the belief system pretty much down, yeah. that's it. But there may be a sense in which that could be helpful as a starting point, yes. right? Yes. But only to say, this is just a starting point, yeah. and we've got a whole world beyond that. Yeah. When Jesus calls his disciples, he didn't say, believe in me. Mm. He said, follow me, right. and I will show you the way. Right. So the the great hope of the uh, the grant and the work of Vibrant Faith right now with these 24 churches is to create a culture of calling. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, as I was thinking about this in preparation for our time today, I remembered a, a story that someone told me about Silver Lake Conference Center, which is right here in mm-hmm. Connecticut. And uh, it's the conference center of the Connecticut Conference United Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. And years ago, someone said to me, you know, if you talked with ministers throughout the Connecticut conference who had been raised in the state, you would have found that most of them would have discovered their calling when they were out at Silver Lake Conference Center as kids. Mm -hmm. They were first exposed to, let's say, vibrant faith, Mm -hmm. and then they had a sense that they had this call to ministry. Mm -hmm. 
I don't hear stories like that quite as much anymore. It's mm-hmm. not this same sense. The camping programs are still flourishing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as many people are following the path to ordained ministry, but that's not really what vibrant faith is about. You're creating a culture of calling where people throughout the body of Christ feel this. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this notion of creating a culture of calling? Are you already seeing some signs where churches are starting to learn how to do that? Is this going to be one tough assignment, or how, how do you think it's going so far? Well, any attempt to change a culture takes time, uh-huh. and it's difficult because there's a tremendous amount of inertia built in, or else it wouldn't be an organization, it wouldn't right. be an institution. Uh, but I, yesterday at this church at Round Hill, I saw evidence that this culture was changing from what I'd heard described uh, a year ago, mm-hmm. that uh, you had uh, a group of uh, young children in the church that were excited and engaged in worship, worship mm-hmm. leadership. I saw people at a church picnic uh, sharing stories with each other and just enjoying being together. And I, my guess is that those experiences at that camp, the Silver Lake, was Silver it? Lake. Mm-hmm. that those experiences were relationally built, yes. not experiential things, not study of doctrine. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the church can be that place in people's lives where they come together and experience what the community of faith is and experience it as a vibrant uh, reality, mm. then that will have the that will have a possibility of changing people's lives. Yes. I was so struck yesterday uh, during his message, the Reverend Dan Halgar, associate pastor, was looking back at the past year to lift up these, you know, particularly vivid moments in our church's life, some relating to music, some relating to outreach experiences, um, some opportunities to learn together, to share life together. And as he said, you know, he he had a list, but he could have gone on well beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so you're starting to see something develop in the life of the congregation over time, building on this rich history that it has and very committed people and so on. So I, I definitely agree with you, and I could hear in those stories as well more evidence of that. Indeed. Uh, you know, what is the thing that uh, gives you the greatest joy in your work, Vaughn, as you're sharing your wisdom as a coach with congregations as part of this Creating a Culture of Calling project? What really gives you the most uh, pleasure, would you say? Well, thank you for asking that question. Um, <laughs> there has been a lot of conversation over in recent decades that the church is dead and dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I can testify that that is not the case. Mm. In churches large and small around the country, as I go visit around, as I hear other people describe their experiences, the church is very much alive and vibrating with uh, uh, with a sense that God is is real and present in their lives, and is powerful enough to change people's lives, turn, to turn them around, and give them meaning and purpose. Mm. And so I, from what I've seen, uh, the, my joy comes from seeing other people. Uh, I had the fortune of serving one church for a long time, but I got to do that church. But now I'm seeing churches around the country showing that kind of life, and that gives me great hope for the future of the church. And I don't have that sense of despair and of decline and the church is dying. That's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a a, a vibrant, vital experience of living the Christian faith and people who are trying to make that intentional and deeper uh, as a way of uh, living out their their institutional faithfulness. Wow. That is great news and a wonderful uh, closing thought for us as well. So we are delighted that you have been here. We look forward to a deeper relationship with you over these next couple of years, and we wish you blessings as you continue your work with Vibrant Faith. Thank you. All right. Blessings.
Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.